You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. From paying off $300,000 of debt to $1 million of debt, an update with past guest Nasima, plus my takeaways from FinCon. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Thanks for tuning in again if you are a returning journeyer. Super excited to have you here. Oh, and if you're new, what's up? <laughs> Hopefully you stick around. Lots of great content here. And this episode actually, so just to give you a little background. So Nasima McElroy from Financially Intentional, she is my girl. And she was originally on episode 16 of the podcast. So that was way back in October of 2017. We had knew each other a little bit online before then, but really had our first conversation. And in that episode, she talked about paying off $300,000 of debt. So since then, and today, essentially, we've gotten to know each other a lot better and we've become like in real life friends. So for example, we both went on the My Taught You retreat and we're roommates there. And then we went to FinCon. We, sh- we shared a room at FinCon. So FinCon 2019 together. And she had a beautiful daughter, Aya, with her. Um, so uh, she was our third little roommate. And so it's really fun. So, so funny. We recorded this same conversation. Of course, it was a little different, but we recorded this conversation at FinCon because I did a live podcast interview with Nasima. I thought it'd be cool to catch up with what Nasima was up to because Nasima, since coming on the show almost two years ago, has made like really big major changes in her finances and just life. She became a mom in that time. She since went from paying $300,000 of debt off to a million dollars of debt, but then she gets real about what it's like to try to grow her business. She moved, she just, she did a lot. And so I wanted her to come back on the podcast to share her journey because I think it will help a lot of people. You know, I'm all about sharing journeys and being real. So our conversation that we recorded live at FinCon, it was so good. Like literally it was so good, but the audio did not save. And so basically we had to record this again when we got home, which is totally fine. It's still a great, amazing conversation. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. Now, this is episode 121. So episode 121, if you want any of the episode show notes for some of the things that we mentioned, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 121 to get more links and episode show notes. You can also click show more, like wherever you're listening to this, there should be like a show more. If you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts or somewhere else that also has some of these links. Now, at the end of this episode, so I didn't want to like bog it down too much in the beginning <laughs> with stuff, but I'm going to be giving a recap of FinCon. So FinCon is a personal finance conference that we refer to in the episode and that I'm going to talk a little bit more after my conversation with Nasima to give you some takeaways because I always say FinCon was one of the best investments I've made um, in my business and in myself when I first went three years ago. So I'm going to talk about how it was this year going back and it was really, I mean, it was, it was good. And I'll tell you what I've learned and some things I'm going to change or at least improve with my own brand from just my experience of meeting different journeyers, actually (laughs) meeting you at FinCon. And then I'm just going to update you on some more things going on with Journey to Launch. So by the way, depending on how things go, we are nearing, we should be really close to 1 million downloads, total downloads for the podcast, which is amazing. So I'm not exactly sure if we're going to hit it by the time this comes out. I'm pretty sure it'd be really, really close. So follow me on social media if you're not following me, because you know, I'm going to make a big to do about it. So you'll know about it on social media, or especially if you're on my newsletter list. So follow me at journey to launch, and you'll be in the know of everything. All right, without further ado, let's hop into this conversation with Nasima. Journeyers. So you are now hearing a re-recording of, well, it's like a brand new recording. This is more of, if you heard my intro, because I'm sure I talked about this, 
We are trying this again, Nasima. We tried it the first time at FinCon. It did not stick. Although that that interview was actually, I thought it was pretty good. So we're going to try to recreate that and do even better this time around. <laughs> um, so I have guys, Nasima on the podcast. She was originally on episode 16, right? It was 16. Yep, it was 16. Talking about her amazing debt payoff story as a single mom. She's a nurse. And I think at the time, how much did you pay off in debt? It's about 300 something, 300 plus thousand in debt. Right. Crazy. And that was a couple years ago. It was right when I first kind of started. And now mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. is your total debt payoff? So it's about a million dollars. Okay. Like, hello, like a million dollars. Like <laughs> So <laughs> we have so much to catch up with um, Nasima on, like, it's, it's, especially there's been so much that has changed in her life. She, you know, how she paid off a million dollars and just an update on her story. So I'm really excited to have you back on, Nasima. Yay, I'm happy to be back on too. I think like the biggest update was I think my last name was Simpson on that episode. So it's McElroy. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. So you were going through a divorce at that time, right? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. So my my name hadn't legally changed yet, but it is super official now. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's kind of go back just in case someone has not heard your original episode or don't know who you are. Let's just quickly talk about how you even got to being the SEMA of Financially Intentional and then we'll do some updates. Right. OK, so in um, 2015, I was a single mom at that time and I just found myself being hella broke and I was making well into the six figures. I had just bought a house and then I realized that I didn't have anything in place for my daughter if something were to happen to me. So like Instagram wise, Facebook images wise, like I was out here doing big things. I had, you know, brand new five bedroom, five and a half bath house, luxury car. Life was good. But on the inside, I really felt empty. And then I was just scared um, that I wasn't in a financial place that I needed to be, that I know I needed to be. And so I knew things had to change. And so I just started doing research, listening to podcasts because I had an hour commute on how I could turn my finances around, stumbled on Dave Ramsey, started working Dave Ramsey's plan after some initial reluctance. Um, But when um, I first interviewed with you, I was still heavily on Dave Ramsey's program. And at that time, I was working his debt snowball using zero-based budgeting and was able to pay off $300,000 dollars in debt. Fast forward, <laughs> I got married um, during that process and got a divorce during that process, sold my mini mansion, <laughs> which allowed me to pay off the remaining balance of my debt. I incurred some um, extra debt with the IRS because of the way I paid my uh, debt off and then um, my divorce and closed all that out. In 2017, I was officially debt free. From that point, you know, life is supposed to be like all good, but this is what this episode is all about. That path is not so linear. So I'm sure we'll get into that next. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know a lot of people when they hear that large amount, like obviously there's like a lot of things going on here, right? So you were a nurse, you were earning good money. And I love how now you're like teaching other nurses how to attempt and to do this fire lifestyle or to at least get financially free. But you said even on the last episode, and even when we talk um, just personally that, you know, a lot of it wasn't even that you started to make a lot more than you previously did. You just managed your money better. Right. I actually was making less because during the majority of the time I I was um, paying off this debt. I was going through a divorce. So, you know, figuring out childcare became a challenge. So I couldn't work all the overtime and extra shifts like I was before. So my income actually kind of leveled out. But what I did differently was really just get intentional about how I spent every single one of my dollars. And that came into play by using a zero-based budget. And that's where you give every one of your dollars in an assignment in advance. Mm-hmm. And I relate to that because when I started saving all the money and investing that 169000 over two years, we weren't really making more money. We're just very, we optimized everything. We saved and invested first. We had got rid of, we did get rid of um, my husband's lease. And then I 
got another car where the maintenance wasn't going to be as much. So we got very intentional. So I do love that for because I know there's a lot of people listening. And yes, I do focus on and want people to focus on how do you earn more. But you can do a lot from right where you are by just reorganizing your goals and implementing a spending plan in action right where you are. Right. And I encourage people to actually start right where you are Mm -hmm. because making more money doesn't equal more financial intentionality. Making more money just gives you more opportunity to trick that money off. So it usually (laughs) just disappears. So if you're not actively working from where you are and learning how to find uh, how to manage those finances, you're most likely not going to be able to manage your finances with more money. Right, right. Okay, so one of the things that you did do, so in between our recording of the last episode that you were on, you did some geo-arbitrage. You left California and moved. So talk about that journey because I think that's very, very insightful. So this wasn't necessarily intentional, but there were a lot of things going on in my life during that time I was in. Oh my gosh. And we forgot, sorry, we forgot you had a baby too. Let's not forget you already are a mom of a five-year-old. And since all that, you had a baby who's super cute. She was our roommate at um, FinCon. (laughs) But go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) Yes, I did have a baby uh, in that time. So what happened was I was in a really toxic work environment. I had two jobs. One of those jobs became um, super toxic. Um, My partner was looking for another job because his job was super crazy. And he got offered a job out of state. At the same time, I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter. And so I had a choice to make. Um, Either we could stay here and kind of grind it out. And I was like totally stressed out. Or we can move out of state. I could still work at one of the hospitals I was working at, but only have to work six days a month and be able to totally afford my life and then have free time to spend time with my family and to grow my business. And so that's what I chose to do. So we moved to Reno, Nevada, which is um, about a four hour drive outside of the San Francisco Bay area. But it's a bordering state. Nevada has a, a much lower cost of living, no state taxes. So I was saving a ton of money. Um, and just by working six days a week, I was able to save not as hot, as much as I was saving before, but all my expenses were covered. And so That's how I grew my business a lot over the summer, but it's also how I found myself getting in a little bit of debt. So I did go back into debt um, after paying off my debt because I wanted to grow my business faster than what my income, because like I said, I was kind of living really lean, would allow. And so um, I intentionally made the decision to um, finance a lot of this stuff. Uh, on credit cards so that for your business for my business so I I can invest in coaching and um, in ads and trainings and things that I know would benefit my community and so I got back in debt (laughs) (laughs) and you bought a house right when you moved to Reno you bought a house too I did I I did buy a house so after I sold my house I was debt free bought a car bought a house and uh, the house was super cheap by standards in the Bay Area. In comparison, it was like three hundred thousand, where the average, the median home price where I live now is seven hundred thousand dollars. So, yeah, so it was really cheap, but it wasn't the best financial decision, as you'll find out, because we ended up moving back to Oakland a, a year later and having to sell that house, which actually just closed, which I didn't even tell you like during FinCon. Oh, wow. Okay. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, I'm in this like stage two where I have quit my safe job. I'm now trying to, not trying to, I am growing Journey to Launch into a sustainable, profitable business. And you do run up against, like if you were used to making money, it's actually, sometimes I'm thinking like, wow, like if I knew what I do now, I would have took, I would have taken more money when I was working to invest in the business at that time when there was like consistent income coming in. Versus now you have to be so careful to think about the kind of expenses you want to incur. So I know I also have a lot of business owners who listen or people who want to do what we did, maybe like quit their jobs or go down a couple of days a week and grow a business on the side. But you have to think about on the other end, your business will have expenses and you'll have to also invest in your business unless you want to do everything yourself and kind of that's to me not a good thing either. You have to invest. Um, so what lessons did you learn by going back into debt? when you started to try to 
balance the business and grow it, growing it? I learned that it made me um, super uncomfortable. I also had some identity issues because, you know, I'm known as like the debt slayer, right? So people don't expect me to be in debt. At the time, I rationalized it like, oh, this is not that much debt. Like I can easily pay it off. But that was coming from a mindset of a person who worked a lot and was bringing in a lot more. And so when those balances weren't going down as fast as I was used to them going down, it made me extremely nervous. But I also just had, like I said, like these huge identity issues. Like what are people going to think of me because I'm carrying this debt? And it kind of put me in a position where, I was like, I got to hustle my way out of this. And that was going to be to the detriment of my family and my kids, because all I know is the hustle and the grind. And so, um, yeah, I, I really struggled. I really struggled with it. Mm, and one of the things that you shared, and I, I know, um, I think it's thank you for being like open about it, right? Because we all like, sometimes it's hard to share while you're in process of the journey, like while you're in it. And sometimes you do need to step back a couple steps, and then you have a better view, like um, a more aerial view of what happened. And you can share that. Because so many people are actually going through this, right? Like I was so used to being able to save and invest half my income since taking this leap for me. We're not able to do that anymore, right? And so it's like this switch in my identity of, okay, it's not really investing in the markets and saving a gazillion dollars a year. And now it's like, all right, now I'm investing back in myself and in my business, and that's scary. So one of the things you talked about after having your daughter is that you did develop postpartum, right? And I can imagine, right, even this geo arbitrage sounds lovely. So a lot of things we tell people are, okay, if you want to save money, move to another state with lower, you know, cost of living, and that can work for a lot of people. But for you guys, you you guys moved out there and you didn't have family there, right? Right. Yeah. So it was super hard. So a couple things happened. So I had the baby. Everything was good with having the baby. Um, a couple months before I had the baby, I found out that the reason why we moved to Reno was because my boyfriend got a three-year contract working with the superintendent's department for education in Reno. And they all of a sudden canceled the contract. So he had to work in Las Vegas, which is an hour flight or an eight-hour drive from Reno. And I was working in Fremont, which is a five-hour drive from Reno. And so we were um, in this place with no support. I developed postpartum depression really, really bad, really bad. And we were struggling like emotionally and as a family. It was hard, even though it was good for our finances. And even though moving is like the killer, <laughs> The killer to, you know, financial stability. And we've moved three times in the last two years. We had to change. And so we decided to move back to the Bay Area. Plus, I have a 91-year-old grandfather who I'm very close to. Um, and I wanted to spend more time with him. So we intentionally decided to move um, very close to his house, like about three blocks away from his house, in order to have family support, to be around family, to help with family. And yes, it wasn't the best financial choice, but now I'm back working full time. So I'm working three days a week, which to me still seems like I'm slacking. <laughs> I don't have struggles with that. Um, but yeah, but we're back in California. So mm. this is just a testament to why it's not only about the money, because if it was only about the money and sometimes you get lost on this journey, which is why it's so important to know your why and your value system and Everyone's situation is different, right? Maybe if you're like a single person and you don't mind being alone and you don't really need to be around family, that's like one thing that's great. But maybe if you're growing a family, if you have small kids, like I know how important it is to have help and support, especially with the newborn and small kids, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And so sometimes you give up, like it's not... Your wealth is not always in dollars. It's in relationships. It's in support. It's like the community around you. So I, I, I really urge anyone listening when they're thinking about trying to get to this financial independence number and saving and investing. Yes, do as much as you can, but with use your own measuring stick for your own values, because what you don't want to do, and maybe you will have to kind of learn it the hard way, which, you know, it is what it is, is to go too far and then realize, wait a second, like I'm miserable on this journey. I gave up all this stuff that were more that was more important than just money. And then you, you feel like it was all for a waste. You don't want to feel like that. Right. Right. So one of the things that I know you and I talk about a lot offline is the journey itself. And you talked about just now that you still feel like you're slacking, even though you're working, 
you and you said you also tried to get another job, right? You tried to get another job. And, and what happened right before you started? <laughs> we were supposed to start. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. So we're paying this mortgage in Reno. We're paying this rent. Um, my debt isn't going down as fast as I want to. I know <laughs> how to how to hustle and grind. So I'm going to figure this out. And so I was just like, I'm used to having two jobs. I'm going to just take a second job. Initially, I was just looking for a job that was a per diem job where I would just work an extra one day a week. But at the place that I really, really wanted to work at, they only had full-time positions and I would have to work day shift initially. So I agreed to to take this job, which would mean I would be working six 12-hour shifts a week. Um, I would leave at 5.30 in the morning before my kids wake up and I would get home not until 8.30 at night when my kids are asleep. And I was committed to doing it because I could do this for like two months and it would like take me out of that financial position that I was in. I could stack, I can save, I can boost my savings rate. They had access to a 457 too. Like they have bond benefits. And I was just like, I can make this work if it means that I'm going to achieve financial independence faster. And um, the Saturday before my Monday orientation I had a breakdown. I was shopping at the mall with my boyfriend and I just started crying. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, this is too much of a commitment. I'm going to miss my kids. My daughter, um, I told her that I wasn't going to be there for her first day of school. And she bawled. She was crying. It was a new school. It's kindergarten for her. You know, like it was, it was like a big deal. And so it broke me down. And so... I drafted my resignation then. It was just like, you know what? What's more important to me is making sure that my family is taken care of and that my emotional and physical well-being is taken care of. And, you know, financial independence is going to be there, but it has to work on my terms because it's not just about reaching that that number or that stage or that, you know, amount of money in the bank. It's really about the journey and this being on this journey has unlocked so many levels of freedom for me. It has exposed me to so many different opportunities and different people just because I'm on this journey. And I think that that's what it's really all about. And, you know, we do get caught up in this identity. I'm, I'm used to being that nurse that makes almost $300,000 a year. I'm used to being um, that nurse that can grind it out. And if I stayed in that position, I could be FI in three, four years. But what am I giving up to get there? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that you talk about, and I know I have um, a lot of nurses who listen or people who know nurses. I love this concept. So, you know, I didn't, I was, I'm not a nurse. So I didn't <laughs> understand the flexibility, the type of flexibility that nurses can have. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's, it's just great to like, to know that these are, these things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of flexibility, especially as a specialized nurse. So I'm a labor and delivery nurse. And basically, I can I can work as much as I want to or as little as I want to, as little as, um, you know, five days a month if I wanted to go down to just being per diem. But we could basically write our own checks. Another thing that a lot of people do because the San Francisco Bay Area pays so much money is that they live in other states. Like I was living in Nevada, but we have nurses coming from Canada. We have nurses coming from Florida, from um, Atlanta that come out here, they'll work and they're staff. They're not traveling nurses, uh, travelers, like you would think. Um, they work, you know, five shifts in a row and then they go home for 10 days and then come back and work five shifts in a row. And um, they're able to um, benefit from the high pay that we have here. And, and like most of the states, they don't have any state taxes. Another thing that I found out is that um, like for Canada, um, because she's paying Social Security tax in, in the United States, her uh, this is just one nurse I'm talking about in particular. Her husband is then gonna be able to get Social Security benefits when they retire. Oh uh, wow! Even though they're both in Canada, yes, they're both in Canada, but they can draw from the U.S. Social Security system. So he's entitled to half of the amount of her Social Security benefits when they retire. So that's another like crazy geo arbitrage thing. But like nursing is super flexible. And also I can pick up a job anywhere. So my job is kind of recession proof <laughs> because there's always going to be people having babies. And when there's a recession, you know, people ain't got nothing else to do but have babies sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
So is it hard to get on staff like jobs like that in high paying states and positions? Basically, if you have a year of experience, which you can get anywhere, you can get on. Another thing, like as like as far as like becoming a nurse, a lot of people see I have a lot of degrees, um, but at the same time, let's hear those receipts. What kind of degrees? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my undergrad, my bachelor's is in um, public policy and management. I have a master's in healthcare administration. I have a master's in nursing. And, you know, I'm certified as an obstetrical nurse. So I have like a whole bunch of letters behind my name and a family. And I'm a family nurse practitioner. Okay. But, <laughs> but let me tell you, I make the same thing as a nurse that has an associate's degree because I, I, I chose just to stay working in a hospital setting. Um, so it's not hard to get these kind of jobs after you have a year of experience, which you can get anywhere. And, um, once you have your associate's degree, you can apply to work in a hospital. It may be a little harder, but it's all about the relationships that you develop. Just go talk to the manager and be like, look, I only have this associate's degree. My goal is to get a bachelor's degree, whatever, whatever. But in just getting your associate's degree, you can work as a nurse on the floor and make the money that I make, plus have the hospital pay for your bachelor's degree, pay for your master's degree. And so the barrier to entry is very, very low. Mm, right, right. And so I love that you're giving these tips because there might be someone who has a someone who's looking to go into nursing. And so before they take out a whole bunch of student loan debt or go the hard route, like there is another way in which you can go making a good income and have more flexibility. Exactly. And listen to the Nurses on Fire podcast because I share a lot of tips and tricks on it. Yeah. So the one thing I'm definitely going to talk about um, or I'm going to have you end on is just that Nasima also has a podcast now specifically talking to nurses and reaching financial independence. So I think it's such a good niche because they, you know, typically outside of the student loan debt, you have the potential to make a lot of money here. So here is an opportunity to really get like really far with your finances. And, and the thing is, you can make a lot of money, but even if you don't make a lot of money, if you go into your career and you start off investing heavily, like fully funding your retirement funds, um, most our sub nurses have access to a 457 like your husband does, like I have access to fund that and just do that consistently and um, for a year and don't let let the lifestyle for 10 years and and don't let the lifestyle creep catch up to you. You don't have to do like all these fancy things. You don't have to have your own business. You don't have to have a podcast. You can make work optional in 10 years or less just by doing that. And so I teach nurses the unique triggers that they can unlock to be able to make work optional or retire or whatever they want to do with their lives that's outside of having to worry about money because they've gotten it squared away in 10 years or less. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, let's just touch upon this business side of things because at FinCon I met so many, um, you know, listeners of the podcast. And so also if you're typically at FinCon, you're also wanting to start maybe something in personal finance and the business. And mm -hmm. you do. So one of the things I hear is just that people, some of the people came up to me and was just like, I love watching also your, entrepreneurship journey, like what you've been able to do to grow journey to launch. And I definitely want to start sharing more of this, what it's like, because it's definitely not easy. So going from having a steady income where I could kind of half ass it a little bit and still get paid, um, <laughs> like, you know, like I was fine, you know, like, you know, and then it was like guaranteed money. Now mm -hmm. being your own business owner, you basically eat what you kill and things are not guaranteed. And it takes a lot of upfront startup costs. Like, so like what you were talking about investing, right? Like I have invested so much into my business, whether through coaching programs, systems, help, right? Before I even like have it almost like I'm actually just, you know, invest like literally. Um, luckily I have not had to go and I don't intend to go into debt for it. Um, but it's so easy to go down that slope. So what advice do you have for people who are looking to, side hustle, maybe turn something into a full-time thing. They're looking at us like, wow, we wanted, I want to do that too. Like what, what things do you want to tell them about this life? <laughs> uh, you got to find out if you really about this life. That's the first thing that you really need to do because um, it does take a huge amount of capital and investments. And I don't want you to 
undervalue what you already have. If you're working a nine to five that has benefits, that, that has, you know, your health care, your matching in your 401k, I say take advantage of that. Build that out, build out your investments in that as much as possible. Bring the boat a little bit closer to the dock before you take any kind of leaps that you need. Make sure you really have a strong why. Make sure that you have proven yourself in this business because I don't want you to just jump up and think that you're going to start a podcast and you're about to quit your job and you're about to be big balling. It really doesn't work like that. Most of the overnight, most of the overnight successes that you see have been grinding in the background for years and years and years. So really, you know, take that into consideration when you're thinking about what you do. Build your savings, your cash savings while you're at that job that with that guaranteed income, build that up. And that's one of the things that I didn't do because I'm used to not having to have a huge emergency fund because I made so much money. So if anything were to happen, I'll just budget for it and it would just come out cash. So um, my biggest regret is not having a big emergency fund. So make sure you build up or just cash savings in general. Build up that cushion, um, validate your idea, figure out what you really want to do. If, if your goal is just to make more money, you'll probably make more money by just investing the money that you would into this business and putting it into index funds right, right, <laughs> or, buy, or buying real estate and house hacking and doing all those other kind of things. There's a whole bunch of ways to um, build wealth. You don't necessarily have to start a business, but if it's something that you're super passionate about and you know that you can bring value to people, like I know, Jamila, you have brought tremendous value to people. I'm so fortunate that you have started this podcast. I know that some of my products and some of my services and just my presence has brought value to people. So I'm willing to invest in that. But best believe I am investing in that right now. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that you want to do and you're about this life, sign up for it. Right, right. Just like anything <laughs> else, if you're looking to do this, whether it doesn't have to be in a personal finance space, any type of business that you have, right. you have to be um, willing to invest. So one of the things that I did understand and know is that, and I've always approached, this is like probably just my life in general. I've, I've made, I've always taken calculated risks. So I made sure that, and I love this, what you just said about bringing the dock, the boat closer to the dock, right? In some ways I kind of jumped um, before there was no like consistent income when I quit Journey to Launch, but I knew I had a deadline of, wow, like I'm about to have my third child. I can't, I need to just make this work. But I gave myself like a little runway and cushion. So that way, at least like whatever my husband's income couldn't cover, we could pull from this savings. But it's still every time our saving goes down, I'm like, oh my gosh. Right, because you're used to seeing it grow. You've been investing so much time in making that grow that taking that money out just huge. But I think what a lot of people, so if it's not about the money, people like the flexibility, the idea of the flexibility, which I get. Like as moms, we're both moms. Like I love now being able to walk my sons to school, be there um, and see my daughter in the middle of the day. But also that doesn't mean that you are not going to miss things. Cause like with FinCon, I missed my first day, the, my oldest first day of kindergarten, right? Cause I felt like this being there was going to be a return on an investment that would ultimately help us in the long run. So it's one of those things where I think it's great that we as entrepreneurs start sharing what it's really like. Cause it's not all just like having fun and like you just make money out of nowhere. So I agree with Nasima, leverage your job. And if you love your job, if you, maybe enjoy um, what you do, that's fine. Do it and also be on the journey for financial independence and you have the best of both worlds. Right, like I could do my job for two days a week for the rest of my life and it ain't gonna hurt me and it's gonna bring a lot of a great income in. So I would never have to, <laughs> you know, tap into my investments. Like I could just make my investments grow. But two days a week, two twelves a week is nothing, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so, so figure out a way where if this is something, if your job is also something that you're passionate about, marry it like I did. So I married my my nursing job with uh, financial independence and that's how Nurses on Fire was born. Awesome. All right. So let everyone know where they can find you, right? Like, so I know you're on Instagram, you have the podcast, let them know. All right. So I have um, the Financially Intentional Instagram page. I have Financially Intentional Facebook group, which is popping. And um, also started just my Nurses on Fire Instagram um, and, uh, follow me on, uh, just go over to financiallyintentional.com. If you want to get on my mailing list, let me know if you're a nurse, because I want to specifically send stuff to my nurses too, but it's all good. Even if you aren't a nurse, you can still be financially intentional. 
Right, right. And I know someone listening, if they're not a nurse, knows a nurse. So tell a nurse to tell a nurse to tell a nurse. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. So thank you so much, Nasima, for joining us, giving us an update and just giving the real behind the scenes of what this journey is like. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh-huh. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Nasima. Thanks, Nasima, for coming on. Don't forget to check out her new podcast, Nurses on Fire. And in general, we are just uh, excited to have been able to record that again and have it stick. All right. So. On to FinCon. So FinCon, for those of you who don't know, is the personal finance conference. It's more for people in the personal finance content creation space and business owners per se, not necessarily for consumers. Although you have some consumers, like people who just want to get their finances in order or just love the overall niche, they go. But usually it's going to be for people who are creators in the space. So bloggers, podcasters, any type of content creators and companies go there to reach the people creating content. So I went to FinCon three years ago. So this is my third FinCon that I went to, the one that happened right in September. And the first one I went to, I was really new in the game. I mean, fairly new. I had my podcast out by then. You know, I had a few episodes in, but I didn't really know many people. So for me, going to FinCon and meeting some of the guests that I had on and then meeting some of the people that I used to read or listen to was amazing because I was able to create some really good connections here at the first FinCon that I went to three years ago. And from those connections, I always say like, because I met people in person, they got a chance to see who I was, got, you know, they put a voice and a face and just a personality behind like the brand instead of it just being Journey to Launch online. And it's so many people almost like doing this nowadays that it's hard to stand out. So going to something like FinCon, while you're not directly interacting with your like listeners for the most part, at that time I wasn't, it's more for people who are your fellow kind of content creators. It's good because you get to connect and share best practices. And most of all, just create almost like alliances and masterminds with people. And so you can't really do that if you don't meet people in person. I mean, you could try to do it online, but it's not as easy. So from that, I've made some amazing connections. And here's the thing. This is for anyone in any field, conference, career. You can't just like make a connection, say hi, and that's it. It's about nurturing and fostering those relationships. So it's an investment. So after the first FinCon, I kept in touch with a lot of people that I met there and fostered those relationships. And it wasn't about like what I could get from them, what they could get from me. It was literally just being genuine and open and supportive of their stuff and people also being supportive of my stuff. And so with that, the connections that I made at the first FinCon have traveled through to today, right? Like I'm still really cool and close with the people that I met. I've met obviously new people since that FinCon. And so I recommend that if you are in the personal finance space and you want to connect with fellow industry leaders, you want to grow your blog, podcast, or whatever it is, that FinCon is a great place to go. You're going to essentially be in the midst and be inspired. So that was one of the things I loved about going in your head, you're like, wow, like I love talking about this. I love this as a side hustle or business, but can I really do this? And while not everyone that goes to FinCon, like let's be real, not everyone that goes to FinCon is going to be able to make this a full-time thing, but it's so inspiring to see people doing it, to see that there are some people who are able to do it or at least make some sort of business out of it, right? Where it's some sort of income or impact, right? Income or impact, whatever you choose, hopefully both. But it's amazing to see that it can be done. And I'm the kind of person, all I need is to see one person doing something. And I'm like, oh, bet. I can figure it out. I could do it too. So on to this FinCon. So first year FinCon, didn't really know a lot of people, but I made some really good connections. First year was in Dallas. Didn't know many people. Second year was in Orlando. And that was kind of cool because at that point, the podcast was out for a little over a year. And I actually had people starting to come up to me who are were fellow podcast creators or just content creators saying to me, wow, like I'm a, I'm a journeyer, like, and I listen to your podcast or I follow you and I'm here because of you. And that happened a couple of times at the second FinCon I went to. So I was like, wow, you know, like it was kind of surprising because, you know, I know I have like different types of people who listen, you know, some are strictly like they have no need or want to start a podcast, blog or business. They're listening for their own personal financial journey. Then I have a segment of listeners who 
yes, they want to reach financial freedom and independence, but they also have a love for teaching about finance or starting a business. And so some of those people felt inspired to come to FinCon based on what I was, was saying about FinCon and how I got all this information out. So that was amazing. This year at FinCon, so this past year, the one in DC, so that's where it was this year, I had a lot more people coming up to me and saying, wow, like I'm a fan of your podcast and your brand and what you've been able to do. So I say all that to say, not to like big myself up, but to just say how much of a difference like a year makes because I sometimes on this journey, it becomes a lot. It becomes a lot where, you know, I'm right now I'm sitting in my kitchen talking to myself and when this goes out to the world, then, you know, you guys hear it and I get feedback and it's great, but it's hard sometimes to measure the impact and growth when it's like I'm a solopreneur and I'm doing this on my own. And especially when the, like the income is not there yet, it's like this income has not replaced my, my job yet. And I didn't expect that it would, but you know, as you can imagine, just this whole journey is very interesting for me. And so I have my days where I'm like, what am I doing? And so when I go to something like FinCon and people come up to me and say, like, you give me hope, like you, like you got to keep going. Like this, what you're doing is amazing. I then know like, wow, this, there's a reason for what I'm doing. I got to keep going. So it just felt so good to meet so many of you. And it's funny because some people, most people, when they approach me, you know, I'm very open, right? So if you come up to me and say hi, I'm going to say hi back. And one of the things that you'll probably see me ask you or hear me ask you is, do you want to take a picture? And I just want to give you a brief like background of why I asked that, because I was going to Mexico for the My Taught You retreat, which was in Mexico, and I was online at Customs. So this was back in May. And a woman was also online with me and she said to me, you have the Journey to Launch podcast. And I was like, uh, yeah. And she was like, I was literally just listening to your podcast. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of like amazing, right? Because we're in Mexico, like, like the podcast is getting downloads, but like, it's not, it's not that many downloads for like random, just people just to meet someone in another country that listens. So I'm assuming she's going also to this, my taught you retreat which is why maybe she knows me because, you know, like maybe she just saw my name around in the same group. But she's like, no, I'm not going to the My Taught You retreat. I'm just I'm just in Mexico on vacation. And it blew my mind that like she was um, it, it just blew my mind, the whole experience. So the whole time we're talking and I think she was with her husband or fiance. And then her husband was like, yeah, like she put me on to you and she um, tell, you know, she's she's telling me to do this and that. And so I got, I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. And I was like, dang, I would love to take a picture with her because I think this moment is kind of really cool. But do you know that in that moment, like I was afraid to ask her for a picture because I was thinking to myself, she's not going to want a picture. Like, you know, what if she thinks I'm corny for asking for a picture? She's probably going to be like, no, I just, I'm just saying hi. And the whole time, right, I'm thinking, wow, I'd love to take a picture with her. I never asked. And then afterward, like really after we kind of said bye and she was like, thank you so much for all you do. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like she approached you and said how much she listened to the podcast and she loves your stuff. Why would you feel that she would shun you or turn you away? I don't know, guys. This is the internal sometimes dialogue, right? And so I felt so silly because I'm like, that's so silly for me to think that way. Even if I would have said, hey, do you want a picture? What's she going to say? No, right? And it's it just logically when after I thought about it, I realized I was so much in my head and t- overthinking it. And what if she was afraid to ask me for a picture because she's figuring, well, you know, I don't want to bother her. And so I said to myself from that day forward, if I met someone who approached me and said that they listened to the podcast or who was a journeyer, so they don't feel a way about like taking a picture or feeling like they're inconveniencing me, I will ask them for a picture. And so that's what I basically did to anyone who came up to me. So if you're listening, you might have been one of those people. If you came up to me and say, hey, I love your stuff, or you said you were a journeyer, I was like, hey, do you want a picture? And everyone was like, yes, I want one. I just didn't want to ask you. You know, I didn't want to inconvenience you. And so I felt really good about just making that the first step. And I wanted to share that background with you to share that we all have hangups and insecurities. And some of them are just silly really just silly. And if like, once you get over yourself and get out of your own head, there's so much that can open up for you. And so I had people when I asked if they wanted to take a picture, they were like, of course, like, I just didn't want I didn't know, you know, that you'd want to. And I'm like, yeah. And so now I just do it to kind of like break the ice 
And just so in case you're nervous, you can do it. So that's kind of like why why I was doing that. Okay, enough about the pictures. (laughs) So the other thing that I noticed, oh, so mostly everyone that came up to me, I asked them two questions. I asked, how did you find out about me? And why do you like my podcast or what I do? Because there's like, there's tons of podcasts, there's tons of blogs. And, you know, I really like getting that data in so I know what to do more of and what to keep doing, right? And also how you find find me is like, okay, so you find me doing that, I need to do more of that. So a lot of people said they found me through other podcasts or through an article or just stumbled upon me on social media. So that was cool. But then when I asked people why they liked like the podcast, what stood out for them, a lot of it was, you know, I love the way you talk with your guests, your quality of guests, and your story. So people are not only connected to the financial independence and freedom tips, topics, tools, interviews, but they're also connected to what I'm doing. And then it really got me thinking like, wow, I don't even, you know, for a while, I have not really been sharing a lot of the behind the scenes. Like I know I do it here and there, but not really about my financial journey, right? How my finances have changed considerably since becoming an entrepreneur and how our saving and investing has changed to growing a business like and be, and being a full-time entrepreneur. This is a different world. And then of course, like balancing everything else, being a mom of three young kids and a wife and trying to still take care of myself, right? And not forget about what I need to be the best person <laughs> in this world. And so I haven't really been sharing as much of my personal journey. And when I met you guys at FinCon or just in general, I'm realizing I even got back and I put on my Instagram, like, what do you want to hear more from? And a lot of it was, we want to hear more about your finances, like how you manage your own finances, how you are managing this growth of your business and all these things. So I will tell you this, I got from um, that feedback that I'm definitely going to do more solo episodes with behind the scenes on mom life, (laughs) what it's like doing this, uh, finances, so how our finances have changed and how our investing strategy has completely changed. And then, of course, this business, because this business, it's the thing that I'm investing the most in at the moment. And so how I'm growing it, you know, how I grew this podcast to hopefully by the time this comes out or it's close to a million downloads, how I've grown the brand, how I am growing my speaking and just public appearance side of the business and brand partnerships and all the things. So I'm going to be doing more of that because it seems like you guys want that. (laughs) One of the things I did do since coming home from FinCon, so if you follow me on Instagram, is I've also tried to be more personal and show the personal side. So all the things I just said, I try to show that on my Instagram stories at Journey to Launch a little bit more, recognizing that it's about also the journey that you guys want to see, not just the end result. So make sure you're following me on Journey to Launch on Instagram if you want to see more behind the scenes. I try to do more of that on my stories. What else went on? Oh, the other thing, um, so Plutus Awards. The Plutus Awards also take place at FinCon. The Plutus Awards, you can say, are like the Emmys, I don't know, the Oscars of the personal finance space where you are recognized and nominated among your fellow podcast, well, not just podcasts, but content creators in the personal finance space. So this is my third year that I've been nominated for a Plutus Award. The first year, which was at the first FinCon, I got nominated for Best New Podcast and Best New Blog. And I didn't win any of those two. The second year, I got nominated for a Podcast of the Year, Community Builder. I think it was just those two. And I didn't win those either. This year, I got nominated for Podcast of the Year, Community Builder, and Best Fire Podcast. And so this year, I didn't win any of that. And, you know, honestly, I wasn't expecting to win. Like, obviously, it'd been nice if I did win. (laughs) Not going to lie there, but I wasn't really expecting it. And I will say this. It's going to sound corny as hell. But the response that I got from actual people like journeyers, like people who are like, listen, I'm a journeyer at FinCon. And even after the awards, a couple people came up to me and said like, and these are people I didn't meet. Like the awards were like, I think one of the last nights and new people came up to me after that and said, you changed my life. And so for me, while the awards are cool, like obviously, but the response and feedback and actual impact, direct impact is what keeps me going, as I always say, because I'm never going to want to have to wait for validation. And that goes always, right? And that's for all of us. I think so many of us are waiting 
and needing that validation. And it's up to us to kind of break that and really get self-validation. So I'm not really looking for like an award to validate me. But what does help is your feedback, knowing that I'm on the right track when you say this changed my life or this episode had me in tears and I I forwarded it and I shared it with this many people. Like that to me is showing like, listen, you're on the right path. Keep going. So um, I didn't win. Uh, hopefully I'll get nominated next year and we'll see about next year. The other cool thing that has happened since, and I shared this on my Instagram, actually, this has been like the coolest way I've ever heard someone has shared or found out about the podcast. And I wanted to share it with you. So on my Instagram, I posted a comment or a response of someone saying how they found out about me. And the person said, and I'll just read it. She said, I was checking out at Banana Republic, at the Banana Republic counter, and was speaking with a friend about how I need to save and work on my finances. Ironic, right? The cashier overheard and mentioned that your podcast helped her manage her finances. So I was like, wow, like that is the best way I've ever heard someone has like found out about the podcast and me. So I posted that on my Instagram. And would you believe it that the cashier wrote in the comments and said, oh my gosh, I'm the cashier. Like she identified herself as the cashier. Then would you further believe it that the person who initially wrote that comment responded to the cashier and said, I'm the girl you told. Like basically, (laughs) I was just like, again, more just confirmation that it's you. It's the journey yours. It's you. It's the content, obviously, right? That that's good and keeps like you coming back. But it's it's you that's gonna um, help this platform grow, help me grow, and it's like a cyclical relationship. It's give and take. It's like I'm giving my all, my best, um, in terms of content and help to you, and it's like in return you're fueling me by sharing the podcast, by telling your family and friends, and so it's just been. An amazing ride. And I wanted to share that with you. So please continue to tell your family and friends about Journey to Launch. Not everyone's going to get on board and in the rocket. You know, it, not everyone's ready. But and it's OK. Right. There's different levels of engagement, whether you're listening to the podcast, whether you choose to join the Money Launch Club. By the way, the Money Launch Club is a membership community for journeyers like yourself who want to take what you're learning here but to the next level. Like you want to actually meet in real life people who you can connect and talk to and get tools, tips, classes, resources to really transform your finances from not just listening to the podcast, but now applying what you're listening to pay off debt, reach your saving and investing goals and all things. More details about the Money Launch Club at moneylaunchclub.com. So whether you choose to join a Money Launch Club or you choose, I'm actually working on a new program and depending on when this comes out, it might be out by then. But whatever you choose, there's a level of engagement that you can get on this journey. And I'm just excited that one, you're just listening. So I think I've rambled enough here. (laughs) Hopefully you enjoyed kind of my takeaways from FinCon, what I'm going to do a little differently or more of with the podcast and the journey. And then always just thank you. Thank you for listening, sharing with your family and friends. Now, until next week, as I always say, Keep on journeying, journeyers. 